Hey everyone, this is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 32. Despite a two-week hiatus, this crew's finally back. And within that two-week span, we saw three straight Auburn SEC victories, a flag football championship for two of our guys. Congratulations, fellas, by the way. We went to Nashville, got to see that. We also got to see where Memorial Magic happens. That was really cool, I, I would like to say. But more importantly, Auburn is bowl eligible under Hugh Freeze's first run as head coach at this program. We talked about it a little bit. False alarm. Moral of the story, Auburn is bowl eligible with the chance to make it seven for the first time in our four years as a student. And even more, maybe eight, maybe nine. We will see. But last weekend, Auburn defeated Arkansas by a score of 48 to 10. For me personally, that was the most impressive start to finish I've seen from this Auburn program since LSU in 2020. And it was the most impressive road victory we've had as a program since 2017 when we played Mississippi State. The most rushing yards on the ground on the road. The most points in the first quarter on a, ro- on a road game for the Auburn Tigers. And fellas, it's just fun. Fun is back. That felt like the old days of when Gus would play Arkansas, have a chip on his shoulder, and we would come out and dominate from start to finish. No complaints from this past weekend or the past few weeks. Dare I say we're back. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, been a great, I guess, last time we were here, we were talking about after, we were talking about that Mississippi State game. Um, I think it was just me, Jack, and Trey talking about how much of a must win it was. And really, honestly, it really it, it kind of was. It ended up being. And it started a three-game streak, that three-game SEC streak, that Auburn hasn't done since, I believe, uh, was it was it 2020? Had to be 2019. I think it was, no, I think it was 2020. No, 2020. 2020. Um, so yeah, that that was that was exciting. Um, but yeah, what you said, that was just that was vintage Auburn. You know, just every year we have at least we would have at least one you know SEC West team, we Mississippi State, sometimes LSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, just just really whoop up on them, and you know just take control of the game and don't look back. And that's really what happened Saturday. So that was super refreshing to watch. Jack? Uh, yeah, it was great to watch um, us go out. And it's very exciting to see our offense just getting more comfortable with each other and piece by piece getting to where we expected this season to start. And when we talked about this team in the preseason, seeing Peyton you know, be able to use his legs but also connect on some good balls – you know, there's still some decision-making that we'd like them to be a little bit better on. But overall, we've, the product has just been getting better each and each week. And, uh, I mean, our defensive line, which I believe preseason we said was going to be a big issue for – or what potentially be a big issue for us this year. And they've been, you know, very good uh, over this three-game three, three stretch. Jalen McLeod had three sacks on Saturday, which was awesome to watch. So it's exciting. Definitely makes the rest of the season more more – you, it makes me want to watch more, so I'm I'm pumped. Graham? Yeah, Saturday was awesome. I mean, just complete, utter dominance on both sides of the football. It was kind of reminiscent to me. I don't want to say, you know, it, it. I mean, 
granted, in 2017, I'm going to say it, it kind of reminded me of the Georgia game in 2017 where we just dominated them. I know the stakes were much higher, and we were ranked 10, and they were ranked 1. But just in terms of just the dominance um, in, at all three levels, uh, special teams included, um, kind of saw that. Um, defense just lights out right now. Uh, three straight SEC games uh, we've played where we've held our opponent to 15 points or less. That's the first time it's happened in seven years. Uh, Peyton Thorne just looks more and more comfortable within this offense, which is really nice considering we uh, play the arch rivals here in about two weeks. So things are on the up and up. Um, I'm excited to see uh, what happens um, on November 25th especially. Yeah, you made a couple good points here I want to talk about. The first one being the defense, and I saw a stat that this is the first time since 2016, I want to say, that we've held three straight SEC opponents under 15. Second of all, Peyton Thorne being comfortable. That is really as where we found our groove in late October, early November, and won these games. We finally got rid of the quarterback interchanging, and we've stuck with one guy. And one thing that sticks out to me about Peyton that I love, and Hugh talks about it all the time in his pressers, which also makes me question why Robbie was still playing, because this does not describe Robbie Ashford at all. He's a very stoic dude. When he threw that pick against Vandy, that's one of those where Robbie goes to the sideline, bashes his helmet, all that. You can't really have that from your leader, but Peyton is a calm, cool, collected dude. He's taken the heat all year, and it's great to see him come out, especially this past weekend, and just ball out. Because he's a kid that loves his craft. We've heard the stories about how he lives in the film room, and it's really starting to show. Yeah, I think definitely it's just helped out. Um, helped out that Peyton was given the reins to the offense um, and really had a lot longer of a leash than he did at the beginning of the year. Um, I think a big thing I was, I was kind of talking about when we were watching the game when he threw that interception that was not great. But I almost – I was kind of I kind of said to myself, I was like, that – I, it's kind of refreshing that he, you know, was at least he's willing to make that pass. I think at the beginning of the year we were talking about how he played scared to throw interceptions. I think he was scared to lose the job a little bit. And then now when he, Hugh Freeze gave him, you know, named him the quarterback in these last three games. Granted, we've played against three. We played three of our some of three some of the easiest games on our schedule, playing our fourth easiest um, on this uh, nice stretch. We have four games this week, but. Regardless of any, that's three SEC teams, and he's been able to play on the road twice and, you know, just get the job done, look comfortable, look confident. Three for three touchdowns this week. Really just – he really just did his job, you know, 88 yards on the run. Um, nothing just world-beating, but just really just did his job. He didn't need to – he didn't need to go out and throw for 400 yards to win. We had 355 on the, on the ground today on Saturday, which was awesome. Um, something that I would love – to see a number, you know, numbers like that and build build on that going into next year. You know, we're consistently against SEC West and SEC East teams. Um, you know, just being able to, you know, put up 300 yards again on like a classic Auburn football team. Yeah, and this these past few weeks too, not Vandy, they'll always be bottom tier, but Mississippi State and Arkansas. That was a formal reminder that we're a little different. We're a step ahead. And also, this, I had the best feeling as a fan, by the way. We were all watching the game together Saturday at a restaurant in Atlanta, and I got screwed over and got put with the TV behind me because they, they, they're they going to play the, the primetime CBS game, sure. We were on the SEC alternate channel. So we had one TV where we were sitting, and I was right under it, and I had no complaints because we were up by 40. And, Graham, you talked about the Georgia game. 
that Georgia game, we still settled for three field goals. It took us our fourth drive. I want to say to get that Darius Slayton deep ball from Stidham. Yep. We came out 75 yards, punt return. By the way, Garber, I don't want to hear any more bashing of our kick returners. They've been fantastic this year. I, I, Keontae deserved the, the slander. I, he, I, he's muffed plenty of punts in our tenure at Auburn. Yeah, but you but, can give him the, but the flowers, too. I, I still don't I, understand. I gave him his flowers. Yeah, no, congrats to Keontae. Uh, also, uh, what was he? He was the special teams player of the week in the SEC. But even, like, I'm ecstatic that he got a 74-yard prime return touchdown. But, like, Coy Moore has been the guy, like, the entire year, even when Keontae got healthy again. So, like, putting Keontae back there, I was surprised to see that. Yeah, I was uh, – I, I did think that was funny. Um, it was awesome. Congrats to Keontae on that touchdown and winning, you know, SEC player, special teams player of the week. Um, but, yeah, I was kind of with you. I, I kind of thought Coy Moore had solidified himself in that role. You know, he hadn't, I hadn't seen him drop any all year. It seemed to be a cause of issue for every position. Any player that was back there for Auburn the last two years seems like it was dropping balls. But, no, it looks like we're turning that around. And I was listening to Hugh Freeze uh, in the locker room after the win, you know, talking to the team. And he really said he was like, this is the most complete three fa- three phases of the game together. And I believe it. Like, everybody played – all three just meshed so well together. Everyone was just efficient outside of, you know, that interception. Really, the only, the only things you can talk about are the two interceptions we threw, but one of them was from Robbie when it was garbage time. And then the one touchdown allowed, which was, once again, in garbage time. So – Really, it, it it was just fantastic football to watch. I mean, really, the yeah, everything just flowed super well. It did, and credit to the coaching staff, too. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this coaching staff. It's always a testament to a good staff when your team gets better and is playing their best ball in November. And also, it's a super comfortable feeling because that was a sign that Pittman is probably gone after this year. They They, they did not play – good football they haven't played good football in a couple years and then another sign through recruiting we're flipping dudes and taking guys from Florida yeah I could mm-hmm. see Florida a having a coaching are. change too on top of Jimbo being fired after a 51 to 10 win that was new that was kind of cruel too that was like us firing Gus maybe a little it wasn't as extreme when we fired Gus after beating state it wasn't that big of a win and also, Mississippi State lost their head coach, too. So we got our guy amidst probably one of the biggest coaching turnovers and coaching carousels we've seen since 2013 when we hired Gus. I was about to say, yeah. looking pretty fortuitous for us right now I'm, in the SEC. Well, especially, you know, rewind a couple of years, uh, or I mean, I guess a year, and we're, we're firing Harson. We're, we're looking to go see who our next coach is. And the college football media – per se, Twitter mainly, was eating us up about the just the, how quickly we were firing coaches, just going from Gus to Harson to Freeze. We wait any longer, we might freeze. Might, we might not be getting Freeze. Like, you yeah. know, I would hate to have to be going and trying to find a new head coach when there's potentially three open spots in the SEC West, and then you go and look, potentially another open spot in the SEC East with South Carolina and Beamer Ball. Mm. Uh, I, that's not working out, so – they're in a sticky spot. Florida's in a kind of sticky spot. So a lot of changing going on right now, and it's good to be ahead of the curve on that aspect of knowing, okay, we have Freeze. We're going to like have his first full recruiting cycle with him as a coach and just keep going from there. Uh, it puts us ahead of some teams that 
you know, we, we normally have on our schedule. So it's exciting to see how that that aspect of it will unfold in the next two to three years. I'll even throw you a wild card. If Harbaugh goes to the league due to all this Michigan controversy, I could see Heupel being an option in Tennessee being an open job too, making it five or six SEC jobs we have to compete with to find a new guy. And there's really not that many guys. There, there was so much turnover during COVID, I feel like. Who, if we would have waited another year with Harson, or let's say we waited another year with Gus and then had Harson a year later, I don't know who would, we would approach this offseason. I mean, there's guys that you go, you're just going to you're gonna have to spend a little bit more money. It's all about money nowadays. But, boys, let's, this is going to feel good to talk about. Bowl predictions. Oh, yeah. We're, let's, let's, play, let's play two scenarios. If we beat Bama, we could be talking whatever the Outback Bowl is called now. I know it's no longer the Outback Bowl. I see if we go 7-5, and five, which is the most realistic option right now, I think that's a Music City Bowl bid. Auburn has a big Nashville pipeline. I think I, it could be a Music City regardless 8-4 and four or 7-5. and five. I've seen... That bowl is a weird one where it kind of it kind of varies year to year. I've seen six and six v six and six teams, and then I've seen eight and four versus eight and four teams there before. So you're right, right though. It probably would be whatever is in Tampa Bay, whatever the Outback Bowl is now called. But I could see a Music City Bowl just because also a lot of that comes down to money, and Auburn will fill that stadium up pretty big. I think LSU's probably a lock for the Cheez It Bowl, which is. Well, the, no, the, current, the current predictions, not including like the CFP, the New Year's Six, it's um, Citrus Bowl, ReliQuest Bowl, Duke's Mayo Bowl, Gator Bowl, Music City Bowl, Texas Bowl, Liberty Bowl. For what it's worth, the Citrus Bowl has came out with their Week 10 Media Bowl projections just for their bowl, and it's between three teams, which is the Iowa Hawkeyes, the Missouri Tigers and the Tennessee Volunteers. I forgot about Mizzou. Yeah, rotating. Mizzou's going to get a good bowl. But we're going to wrap it up here. Anyone got one last hot take or one happy take from these past few weeks? I think one of them is just definitely momentum. Um, the momentum this has created just for you know the rest of the season with the Iron Bowl looming. And as the season going forward with recruits and just our team, I feel like we're establishing a culture. I think Hugh Freeze is really laying down that culture, and I think we're seeing it, all the guys playing together, starting to play cleaner. I think part of that comes from how like new our team was this year. It takes time to develop over the season, and it's like you said, it's a good sign seeing us developing over the season. So bright future ahead for the Tigers. A lot of positive Great things week. coming out of this camp, including another grandchild for Coach Freeze. Congrats to Coach. But on that note, we're going to take a short break, come back, and take a wider look at the current s- slate – college ball playoff future and make a few bold predictions stay tuned this is barnes for bed thank you guys for listening welcome back barnes for bed episode 32 the eric smith episode shout out to the champ i was watching the natty the other day from 2010 and he uh i forgot he was the guy that got that Cam Gator armed when we were on the goal line. We ended up getting the safety, and that actually ended up helping us in the long run. But shout-out to Eric Smith. Hope you're doing well, homie. But let's take a grander look at what's going on in college football. In September, we were talking about how wild this year could end up being. But now that we're in November in classic college football fashion, and this is one of the biggest critiques of the sport, it is the most token eight, I would say, that probably have a shot to contend for the college football playoff and 
win the title as in Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and of course, Alabama is still hanging around. And also, there's a little dilemma in the Heisman that me and Garber talked about. I personally think if the season ended right now, the trophy should go to Bo Nix. He's saying Jaden Daniels will debate whether or not wins or losses, how much of a factor that plays in the Heisman. But first off, let's 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 look back at what our or at least I know mine, my preseason predictions. I said before the season started that Bo Nix would win the Heisman, which is looking like to be a good pick. But my CFP teams, oh boy, Georgia, LSU, USC, Clemson. So I think it'd be fair that we make some new ones. Who do y'all see on New Year's being the four teams remaining with the shot for the golden cylinder? Uh, I'll go first just because... Uh, out of all of our predictions, I believe, maybe not, but I believe mine is the most intact and is the one of the the only one that's still possible. I guess the way I see it breaking down is I think it's going to be uh, four conference champions. I don't see the SEC or the Big Ten getting two teams in. So with that being said, I think it'll be Michigan, Florida State, Washington, and Georgia. I think those are the four teams that get in. Uh, Texas getting coming in at five, and then six and seven being Alabama and Ohio State. I, I like those picks. I completely agree with you. The only conference I could see having a chance getting two in is obviously the Big Ten. But if Florida State were to win out, and the winner of the SEC is going to get in, I the only hope is that they ha- there's a two loss Pac-12 championship for the Big Ten to get into. That's the only scenario I see. But I don't see Washington or Oregon having two losses. Graham, which Grammar Garber, what's y'all's for? I don't, I don't, know, I don't understand how you don't think that Alabama and Georgia both couldn't get in. Well, they're going to play in the SEC title game, a two-loss Bama team. But what if? Bama Ooh, wins? good point. I didn't. Even, I just thought. No, in you the can't, back of my you head, can't assume yeah. that. I, I, and honestly, I think Bama. Weirdly, it, I think they're loving being doubted and ranked at like eight, even though they're just so in 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 it right now. Like. The fact that we're letting Alabama use the underdog card is crazy right now. I think they're probably the best team. They're kind of playing up there. Up there is one of the best teams right now. So I think if Alabama ends up beating Georgia in the, in the SEC championship, as much as I'd hate it, I think both probably need to make it in. But, but then what, it gets interesting. Yeah, with, what happens with Ohio State and Michigan? If if they both go one loss, only one, one of them gets in. But whoever, if someone obviously goes undefeated, wins that, they're in. Florida State, if they just take care of business, should be in. Same with Washington. <laughs> that this is going to be this is going to be an interesting. This is really. I, I kind of wish the twelve team was implemented this year because you got nine teams, or excuse me, yeah, you got nine teams that have one loss or less. Well, and five and two out of those two out of the five teams that are undefeated right now, one of them is going to lose because it's Michigan and Ohio State, so one of them will beat each other. Washington, Oregon. That's going to be the Pac-12 championship. They're divisionless, right? So they will they will face each other in the Pac-12 championship, right? I think so. Correct me if I'm wrong. They got the – did they go north-south with the SoCal teams being the southern one and then you got the west – the actual west coast teams there? No, I think, I think the Pac-12 the north. is divisionless. Now here's a question. So let's say Washington – Washington stays undefeated, wins out, wins the wins the Pac-12. Florida State wins out, wins the Pac-12, or wins the ACC. And then either Michigan or Ohio State, one of them 
wins out, goes undefeated. All three of those got to be in, correct? Correct. Yes. Say Alabama beats Georgia. See, now this is the issue Does I have. Does Georgia get in? No. With their strength of schedule. I don't think either one of them get in. You said – I mean, Wow. You said okay. Michigan – well, Georgia – they think that Ohio State has more of a playoff resume than Georgia right now. That's why they're currently the number one team. But, Jack, go ahead. Uh, Got to look a little bit down at number seven, Texas. If Texas wins out and wins the Big 12 with a win over Alabama, I don't, I don't care about – like, I get the marquee matchups match, matter, but they have the head-to-head win, and it was in Bryant-Denny. So to me, a conference champion Texas and a conference champion Alabama, I think you have to put Texas in over them in those the four best teams. So you, I, I, I think I agree with that. And by that, and by that, oh, you couldn't put in Georgia. No, see, I think, I think Georgia is still in a spot. They have to win out to get in. A one loss Georgia team does not get in. Well, I what, think that depends. I mean, depends obviously, on that everything depends else on a lot, depends on if Oregon on ends up winning yeah. the Pac-12 over them. Then. They could, they could boot out either of those teams. Right. Doesn't seem likely the way that just everybody likes talking about the Pac-12 this year. I feel like we're just destined for a Pac-12 Heisman, Pac-12 playoff team. Yeah, I mean. But I don't. All right, yeah, who, who do you all think has – I know I have a team in mind, but who who do you all think has the highest probability of winning out, going undefeated? Michigan. Michigan. I think it's Florida State. I mean, guys. Actually, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. So wait, wait, regular season or – Everything, postseason included. Georgia. They play Tennessee at home, Georgia Tech, and then Alabama. Yeah, they. I who does Florida State play? They play Florida. They play. I don't even know who they played this week. And then they play. They don't play this week. And then they play Duke, right? Or Clemson, or I don't even know who's second in the ACC. I believe it might be. Or it's Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, it's Louisville. yeah. They play. In, yeah, okay. And Louisville, I I think Louisville's going to lose to Miami this week too. Exactly. We're also forgetting Alabama. Just. Might have two losses at the yeah, end, well, of, the end mm-hmm. of this year, so I mean it, it might not even matter. Not, I mean they, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they, they got to well, come to Georgia. We've been Mayer. saying if Auburn is six and five, seven and four, or better, we're winning the Iron Bowl. We have been saying that, that since is, day one. I still believe it. So also. if we believe that to be true, then X out Alabama. I think I'm Xing out Oregon. I think Washington beats Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, and that would really hurt Georgia if Alabama ended up beating Georgia in the SEC championship. I don't think they could put them in. Yeah. Especially if, yeah. Ooh. Ooh, we got it. This yeah. is a fun year. I mean, hey, we gotta, Sankey, Sankey's not going to let that happen. The more I'm looking at it, the more I think Florida State will be the number one team in the country. If there's if a, Georgia loses to Alabama, I would love, I would love nothing more the than win. Bama and Georgia not making the playoff. That, oh, would, be that cool. would be exciting. Would you throw out any sort of SEC? I guess it is more. Auburn See, I don't rivals. know where you get this SEC pride thing. Where. I guess if you're not as big of an all, like if you're if you're if you, if you are, grew up if Kentucky, you are a Kentucky football if you're a fan. Kentucky football fan, it wouldn't matter as much. You might want to like hold on to the SEC as hard as you can, but holding an SEC pride over like ha- holding that in your head over like wanting to root yeah. for you can ask Georgia and Alabama is crazy. Like I would ask, rather yeah. I'd rather zero teams be in the, SEC, the like college football playoffs ever if. The only, if our only two options are Bama. I mean, it was it was a fair Even question. They're still that, like, I don't care if any SEC team is in the championship. No, happens. I mean, I, if Auburn's out of contention and like, I don't know, you're gonna LSU. For, you're gonna root for. I'd LSU. root for Ole Miss. I wouldn't root for LSU. Well, they're not like a rival, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Not a non-rival. Four, there's four schools that I would I would not cheer for at all if they if they made it, and that being 
Bama, Georgia, LSU, and A&M. LSU? Yeah, that's fair. Y'all were definitely cheering for Burrow against no, Clemson. No, I was not. Why? We, we get mean, we why? get money. I'm not an LSU nah, fan. I don't care about the money. That we you don't get right. any money. We, you don't we, get there's money. a there's a where does that money? Get, the school gets the money. Yeah, the program gets the money. We're gonna get money. So we want our opponents to have more money. Yeah, and we get also get more money. I don't know, but like I don't. We're know. not really on a money shortage. In the yeah, SEC that's what I say. So I, I think that matters more if like you know a loyal like if some you know, a TCU makes that just it. means yeah, like the top. I feel like the top people just get more money. You know, like I don't know. We don't. I think that's a weak argument to be like, "Ooh, let's go Bama!" Like, I want Bama to win. Like, oh, I want Georgia to win. Like, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't, at least. Also, what? that should only bring you sadness when they win. <laughs> that should not ever. You should never be like, well, on hindsight, you know, we're getting a little bit of money. You know, I, I'm, the, uh, t- the Tigers are getting a couple of extra coins. At least because, our rivals and, are and, and Georgia le- lifts their third national championship in a row. I mean, like, are we going to just sit here and act like I'm just blatantly cheering for Georgia or Bama if they were in? I'm just saying it may be a bad look for the conference if we don't care. the don't football care. conference if we have no teams in. Nah, we just we just ate each other up. For all the SEC fans out there that we don't know cheer we, for a specific team, know. I'm sorry, but I don't care. Yeah, I, end of discussion. I like the SEC being the best. I I think I I'll always believe it. I don't need I don't need someone in I don't need validation from I don't need someone in Cincinnati, Ohio to think it for me to know it to be true. You know, like it, well said, are. well said. Well, anyways, let's wrap up this segment with a hot take, and it can vary from coaching changes, recruiting, the whole world of college football. To give you an idea, I'll start. Bobby Petrino will be the next head coach at Texas A&M. He's back. I want him back. He's a fun dude. He's like the Rick Petino of college football. He's just just an interesting guy. A real interesting guy. He's something. And I, he's fun to cheer against. And he would be so A&M. And I, would, I just love having teams that I do not like cheering for having hateable coaches. Like, I'd want Duke basketball to have a more hateable coach than Shire. To put to give an example, I love that Bam has Nate Oates as a basketball coach. He's not he's not a good dude to cheer for. Anyone else got a hot take? Uh, I don't know how hot it is, but I'm excited and just hoping. I would love for him to get hired. I don't think it will happen, but just to see him in one of those tweets where it's like these these like these are the top names. I want to see Brian Harson in one of the names for one of the one of the opening co- coaching jobs. <laughs> I, that was I had two no, hot takes. <laughs> nothing would make me hey, ahead, laugh no. more. Hey, whisper. Boise State's job just opened I, up. Yes, I was. That was going to be my hot take. Was Brian Harson's back to Boise State? My second hot take was going to be about the A and M job as well. I I got three names for you. I got Kalen DeBoer, which is Washington's head coach. I got Deion Sanders, and I got um, Urban Meyer. Ooh, I didn't even think about Deion. I mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, it's not going to be any three of those. It's going to be Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, for A and M, another good one. That's my fourth. I think they'll go to Kingsbury. I think that would Colorado, spi- Colorado kids are them. decommitting because they don't think Dion will like twenty twenty five. There's a twenty twenty five guy today that decommitted because he's straight up said like I don't even know if Dion's gonna be my coach when I get there, which That's is much fair. less trampoline job less for three years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah would Dion bring his the cowboy Louis? hat in Texas A and M? Here's a question: What does Dion? I guess he's done enough at Colorado this year to warrant like. The show that he can coach. Like, I mean, he has done a tremendous job, like just turning them around from like one loss. Were they one? Were they one win last year? Yes. yes. And now they have what five or four? Four. Four. So still, still big jump. Yeah, yeah it's definitely improvement. 
And just I think all first year coaches had a good year. Beating the defending runner up on the road, I think I mean, that in itself. Beating TCU on the road first game. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good time to take a break, giving Comp a little reminder that he lost to Dion at home. That Sorry, was still buddy. so funny. But anyways, thank you guys for staying up with us. When we come back, we'll talk a little hoops. It's now college basketball, excuse me, is back. So we'll break that down a little bit and uh, make a few picks down the road. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back shortly. And welcome back to Barters Before Bed, episode 32. And we are officially... Wesley Steiner episode. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you... 32 episode. Is there a basketball player who wore 32? I feel like that'd be like Mustafa a... Mustafa Heron, didn't he? Rob yeah. Chubb was 31, I believe, so... I don't know help. why Malcolm Canada came to my head, but he was double zero, wasn't he? Mustafa he was... Heron, was he 32? He was... No, he wasn't. Mustafa Heron was five, I thought. He was yeah, he had a I thought he had a number change, though. Uh, I thought well, he did, too. That was my thought process. Mellow. Speaking of Auburn hoops, we... Had a couple games this past week, starting off last Thursday. That's going to be a weird spot with the Monday time, with most of the primetime SEC games and basketball being Tuesdays. We'll have a whole gap within that. And then, obviously, the loss to Baylor, and then the win on Friday. Aiden Holloway named SEC Freshman of the Week. I watched the Baylor game with two guys in this room who were quite emotional about a November opening night game, I had nothing but positive takes. And then again, here comes the Kentucky slander. But if this is, this is what, I want, what I want to ask you guys. First of all, it's still not even basketball season to me yet. I, I do not really get that invested until I would say after week 13. So I give it two more weeks for me to really lose my mind. Like if Kentucky loses in the championship champions classic tomorrow, I wouldn't blink an eye. And second, have expectations for Auburn basketball become too high? And let me give you a scenario. If we're an eight seed this year, is that a failure? Or do you remember what happened back in 2015 where the arena was empty, rock bottom? What's your perspective? I think there's a couple things to go with what you just said. I think looking back to 2015 is kind of, we're kind of past that. I think, I mean, the fact that we went to it, we've been to a final four since then kind of elevated our expectations every year. Um, I think there definitely should be a deep down appreciation just for the fact that we have competent basketball and we're filling our arena and we have Bruce Pearl. I think everyone has that. But at some point, you can't just get complacent with the fact that, oh, we're filling our arena and winning some games and, you know, always frisky and around. doesn't mean we shouldn't be rooting for it. Another thing, just because you like – and I'm the same way. I, I'm actually I'm, – I'm really the same way as you. I'm, I, basketball season is kind of hard to get into while college football is still kind of in the heat of it. We haven't played the Iron Bowl yet. It's hard to be like fully turned into basketball. But with, I mean, the new net system, we missed out on a quad one win. Um, and so Bruce Pearl said it after the game. He said that was not like there's no moral victories in this game. He's like, we're not walking out of here, like, you know, being super pleased with our performance just because we took, you know, a ranked Baylor team all the way to the distance and led for most of the game. Looked, looked good. Like we're, we want, we like Bruce went there, whole team went there with the expectation to win. Obviously, we knew we had it in us. We everyone saw we did, we just didn't finish, and we missed out on a quad one win. Not that it'll not it's the end of the world, but it is something that could you know play a factor later on down the road. One where we, you know we wish maybe we had 
in our back pocket. But with all that being said, thank God. Thank God we have this team. I mean, this mm-hmm. team is pheno- 10 times more entertaining to watch than last year. I mean, just be- watching competent guard play, competent shooting, fast pace, just everything just clicks. looks like it clicks better this year versus last year. And last year was a team that won a tournament game and took the number one number one overall seed was leading at halftime a game. I'm still happy with the tap. Rather have the team this year than last year. Right, Garber. I'll say this though: this has been a critique of Bruce playing teams where I guess we're an underdog, and we will get a good lead like we did against Houston. Bam on the road last year. We have an inability to close out those games, and we that happened again. Against Baylor? It is game one. It is game one. And we, were, we were a favorite. Also, we yes, we the line moved. Line um, moved at right around to became yeah. The thing is, and it's kind of the new era of ba- college basketball, and it's an era that I appreciate, but it's very similar to football. This was the first game where what our only returning starters were I guess we started Chris Moore, but you know, out of the nine guys we played, I believe only four maybe five of them were on roster last year. So we have all these new guys, and there's a lot of moving pieces. And so this game, it would have been awesome to win early, but you got to understand that, especially with basketball, the, the end product is so hard to gauge, and we're so far from what we're going to be, that I'm excited for this team. College basketball, I feel like it's hard to set expectations for because you don't, you really don't know what to expect with teams like this especially with how big the transfer portal is and you never know how good your five-star freshmen are going to be you know you could have a Jabari Smith or you could have uh Johan Treor you don't know what you're going to get so it's hard to say whether or not you know going back to your original question of whether or not an eight seed is a failure this year it's too it's too early to tell you just I don't know yeah and that could I think that could be the floor that's a good point also I had on my list here preseason final or way too early final four predictions any of us could say like norfolk state or a byu and it wouldn't be unreasonable because you never know in college basketball right graham what was your take from tuesday um i am overly optimistic um i'm really excited i liked what i saw i didn't like how obviously we blew nine point lead at halftime um but i think everything the flaws that we saw on Tuesday are extremely fixable. I think we defend really well for like 20 to 22 seconds and then we foul or we just give up some, you know, mishap of some sort. Um, so I'm not too worried about us giving up 88 and 71 to South, whoever we put Southeastern Louisiana, mm-hmm. um, scored 80 plus in both games. It just, it's, it's, it's just so refreshing to see us hit outside shots and have guys that, uh, that are above the rim finishers, not just driving in, mm-hmm. bull in the china cabinet, uh, throwing Under stuff hand. at the backboard. Underhand. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and guys just seem to play within themselves. There's not, you know, a whole lot of selfishness I've seen thus far. And, I mean, we don't have a ranked – we don't play a ranked team on the road, I believe, until, like, at some point – I think it's January 6th against Arkansas. Assuming they're still ranked. Is USC not on the road? No, no they're at home. At home. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. We played so on, like, on my birthday as well. The, the W's are going to start piling up. It's time to get excited. We're going to figure things out. Um, yeah, there's there's just a lot to look forward to. I'm really excited about this team. 
I think we're projected to finish sixth in the SEC. I expect us to finish in Ken seven. Palm has us finishing 21-9. and nine. Yeah, uh, which is fine. Which I mean, is fine because I think we're going to – I would take – if the line was set at 21.5, I would probably bet on the over. I think this, to your point, Jack, so like many the end, awesome games. the end product. It's so hard to gauge, and I think that this might be a team where we might not have it all figured out until February, which I'm totally fine with. Because you look at the team 2019, um, like we had nine losses going into SEC tournament play, and then we go just on a tear. So I mean, I would not be surprised if we struggle, uh, especially in SEC play. Um, Yes, but that's okay. So that's okay. It's just the nature of basketball. That's what's. I mean, that happened to UConn last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. UConn was. I mean, red hot number one team at one point. You know, obviously everyone knew what they had on that roster, and then they get they enter Big East play and went through a ringer, like lost like seven games, but like Ken Palm just kept respecting them. Like obviously saw like what was going on. It's just it was a ring. Big Big East was really good last year. SEC is gonna be good this year. I mean. And then get to the play, get to the tournament, and they were just the most battle tested and ready, and they're playing their best basketball. So that I mean that, that is the key of college basketball. It's a game of runs in mid mid game, but it's also a game of runs just in the season. Like it's the it's a, can you get hot late? Can you get hot at the right times? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like like I said, like you said earlier, the mistakes in that game were kind of refreshing mistakes. There were mistakes that you could just like thirty two fouls. You can't do that. You can't really win. But the fact that we had 32 fouls and almost beat ten, ten more than the other. Ten, ten, the other ten more than the opponent, you know. That was a six-point I can live with like that. I can yeah, live with saying, a loss I, like that. I, and I think Bruce and I think Bruce definitely, like you said, they were. he was rightfully frustrated. Everyone was frustrated. That's also a good thing. It's not going to be lost, but it's good that everyone, like, it's good that they're not having the same clarity and perspective and that we have, you know. Where we're like, oh well, you know that's okay. Like we lost. Like I hope they're upset. I hope they were bummed about that, and like they're like ready to work and ready to, you know, actually learn, and get better. Because I think I think the ceiling on this team is I right now. I'll be on stake it. I'll say it could be a Final Four team. Who knows? The potential is there because you have the pieces of, you know, it just depends on when we get hot. There are we do have older guards on this team. Some of them are transfers. We have a a per, great big man. You know. I think he's the favorite to win SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And, you know, to, so far he's played well. He needs to control the fouls a little bit, but he will. We have the pieces. This team's deep. We, it's just going to – we just got to – everything will start clicking eventually, and we'll see it happen. I mean, we only have one freshman. Exactly. We're an old team. Mm-hmm. Like, even the trans- transfer guys are old. Trav Aker-Mazar is old. Denver's my age, so that's a large number. Um, I mean – I mean, yeah, he's still yeah. a junior. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, Aiden, obviously. I don't even know who's the next youngest player besides Aiden, besides the walk-ons. Trey. Trey, yeah, and he's sophomore. Sophomore. Yeah, a lot of things I agree with what y'all said, and this is going to be fixed down the road. I love hearing that Bruce watched a lot of European basketball this summer. I think that's something that every coach should do, and you could see it through a lot of the sets having – our five or four guy be at the top of the key and have the guard play off of it. One thing also with the fouls, you said 32 fouls. The officials are whistle happy too. It's their first game back. And also is Pat Adams on the call. I think he's arguably the worst official in the SEC. That's something to keep in mind. I'm not afraid of but him. Doug Chow's awful. But moving on, 
we'll end this one with a tribute to Garber, actually, because you can't really predict college basketball. Like, you can't predict the Final Four. I mean, heck, you never know. Florida could win the SEC this year. Like, look what Auburn in 2018 predicted last week. You can never predict stuff, and it's just going to come back and bite us. So, why don't we do what Garber did and predict a college football national championship or champion, college basketball national champion, a NFL champ, and an NBA champ, a little four-leg future. I'll go first. For my college football champion, I am going to go Georgia. College basketball, I'm going to go Kentucky. Debate me. NFL, I'm going to go, ooh, I I still see it being a Chiefs, Reign, Dynasty, whatever. And then the NBA, I'm going to go Nuggets. Um, I didn't know we were doing this. Yeah, but tell, tell the tell the world what yours was because uh, I love yours. I will I I will go with um college college football. I'm probably gonna stick with Michigan. Um, I think this I think this guy this having this has to be their year. I think the come down on them is gonna be big time. I think this is gonna have to be their year. Um, uh, I think they're gonna play motivated through it. So I'm gonna go Michigan college basketball. Who knows? I mean. It's got to be a blue blood. It's been a blue blood the past, I don't even know how many years. Yeah, I mean, let me look at the well standings real quick, COVID. like I said. Um, ride with UConn COVID. again. Let's go Marquette. Let's keep it in the Big East. Uh, everyone's big on them. I'll take Marquette. Um, NBA, let's say the Nuggets run it back. I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop them. I haven't followed any NBA, so if they're like 0-7, then I look stupid, but. I don't really follow the NBA all that often. And then the NFL. Ooh. NFL. I'll I'll, I'll stick with my – I made a prediction earlier this year. I'll go Lions. I think it's a Lions year. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that gets to me. So for college football, I'm going to go Florida State. I just – I like that team. They they figure out ways to get it done. For college basketball, give me Kansas. They're – they're a phenomenal team this year. For NBA, uh, I know Murphy Stapleton's not listening right now, so I don't mind saying it, but the Celtics are going to win it this year. They're so loaded. And then with selling me college basketball, or no, in a, yeah, college NFL. basketball. You already said college basketball. Who does? Kansas. Oh, Kansas. oh NFL. Um. I, I don't know who's going to win the NFL, but I will give you who I think will give MVP because that is a future bet. But give me C.J. Stroud. He'll be the first rookie since Jim Brown to win it. It's going to I happen. like that take. Hot take. Mello? Mm. Uh, college football, I'm still riding with Michigan. I think they're just they got the most complete roster in college football. And I, I feel like they'll play with a little extra chip on their shoulder with uh, Harbaugh gone. Um, college basketball. Like I said, it's going to be a blue blood. Give me Duke, I guess, question mark. I don't know. Um, NFL, I really want the Eagles to win, but it's probably going to be the Chiefs again. Um, And then what does that leave me? NBA, give me the Milwaukee Bucks. If anybody deserves to win in the postseason, it's Damian Lillard. Bucks. Hmm. All right, Milwaukee, that one's for you. Well, on the theme of picks, when we come back, we will knock out our picks for the week, give you the current standings. I don't know. I'm just feeling it's a dynasty type of era with the Chiefs, Nuggets, and others, and the Cats are coming back. But on that note, we will take a quick break and come back shortly. 
And now it's time for the fastest two minutes in sports once again. Upcoming week 12, arguably the most boring slate I've ever seen in college football. But first, Garber. Can you give us the current standings? Yes, I can. Um, so the way we have, since a couple pushes have entered into our radar, um, this was a hotly contested system. I felt like it was the best way to go about it. Everyone is getting a point, one point for every win, half a point for a push, zero points for a loss. With that, with those metrics, right now with our standings, is Graham is sitting at the top at 24 points. I'm following behind at 22 points. Trey is following right behind at 21. And Jack Vesey, after another 4-0 week, has entered himself back in contention at 19 points. Cardiac Do not kid. let the kid get hot in November. The UConn of college football. The Auburn football, 2017 Auburn football. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive into week 12. I'll kick us off first. I'm fun over there. The, yeah, I love this. Sounds. But, okay, let's let's get this rolling. I think Georgia's going to roll again over Tennessee, cover that minus 10. I, I think Georgia's found their their groove, and the rest of college football needs to watch out. Every single year when Georgia gets demoted from that number one spot in the CFP, they just continue to go on a rampage, if you will. But we're running a little short on time, so I'll, I'll let the dogs take care of that this weekend. Next up, I think Louisville's the most fraudulent team in the country. No bias. I think Miami will win. It's only one and a half, so basically, if I were to take this, I'd probably just take the money line, but the U will be cooking on Saturday. Moving on, Ole Miss under against Louisiana Monroe. 62 is the point total. I feel like with Lane Kiffin, one loss usually turns into more struggles. They're not going to lose Louisiana Monroe. They still could probably cover, but I do think they will struggle offensively because they do not respond well after losses. And then lastly, Ohio State versus Minnesota. I'm going to go the over 49. I feel like a lot of that is going to be Ohio State, and the Buckeyes will dominate on Saturday. All right. I'm, I'm move on. I'll take Arizona minus one um, against Utah. It's basically a pick em, but they're at home. I think Arizona's playing good football right now. I think Utah just put up about its hardest fight it could. And st- yet still fell short against Washington. I think that's going to you know, lead back not much momentum going into this game. Um, I'll move on. I'm taking Maryland plus 19 against Michigan. I think Michigan will win this game. I just think it being at Maryland, um, a lot of things going on in that program, I think, you know, and just the way, the way that Mer- Michigan plays football, it's going to lend itself to like a 14-point win. So I'll take Maryland plus 19, too many points. I'm going to agree with Trey here. Ohio State, Minnesota, over 49 is my pick. And then following it up is LSU, Georgia State, under 71. LSU has gone over in all 10 of his games this season. So I am fading the over on the LSU game this year, this week. Wow. All right, we'll get right into mine. So I am going with Duke minus four this week. Uh, they play Virginia, who's a very bad football team. So – going to take Duke and then my underdog which I believe this is the first time they've been an underdog all season uh Washington plus one and a half I, I just I think Washington wins out so I'm, I'm riding with the Huskies and then my over give me Auburn New Mexico State the way our offense has been firing uh I think there, I don't see I see this game being like a 45 to 7 game uh despite what other people might think. And then for my under, give me Clemson and UNC. 
I just see this game being like a 28-20 finish or something around those lines. So those are my picks. We'll see if I can stay hot. All right, uh, Mellow Locks, uh, your front runner for the Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. Um, I got Virginia Tech minus two and a half. Um, Very impressive performance from the Hokies this past weekend on the road against a pretty formidable Boston College point uh, opponent. They won by 26. Give me Virginia Tech at home, minus two and a half. I forget who they're playing. Let me look real quick. Or maybe one of y'all can search that for me. Anywho, um, Memphis plus eight and a half at home against SMU. I also really like the over in this game. Uh, Memphis at home, they've scored 40-plus in their past four games. SMU has a very good offense as well. Memphis' defense is horrific. Uh, but give me Memphis plus eight and a half at home, 11 a.m. kick in Memphis. Um, for my over, give me Florida versus Mizzou, over 58 and a half. Florida has scored 35 plus in their past two games. We know what Memphis or Missouri can do offensively. So give me the over of that. Uh, under, give me Cincy versus West, or West Virginia, under 55 and a half. Both teams love to run the football. Not a great passing attack, so that clock's going to chew. Give me the under in that game. All right, thank you, Mello. Week 12, this year's flown by. This has been a quick college football season. Lots of fun games to watch. And now, as an Auburn fan, we're finally having the fun that we deserve. And a lot of – we had some lucky bounces finally go our way. I mean, we're known for having lucky bounces, but that one that comes to mind is the fumble against Arkansas. But – Hopefully more lucky bounces will come our way this weekend and from two weeks from now in the Iron Bowl. We can play spoiler. There's still a lot on the line. But with that being said, we will be back next Monday, 8 p.m. Central Time. No, we won't. It's Thanksgiving break. I take that back. We may do a little virtual one. Would you all like to do a little Zoom? I would. I, would, I want I, to talk about the Iron Bowl. I, I, would, yeah, I would love love to be able to you know possibly put someone out there on the YouTube or on the Twitter or something like let's that. Let's actually a space. Let's actually do it because we we've be. talked about it. Multiple we can do a times. space. Um, we will be. Yeah. We'll, we'll be here. To, we'll be here the Monday after the Iron Bowl. Yes, but I would like to preview it as well. Yes, with like yeah, Trey. That's fair. That's fair. Be on the lookout on our Twitter at Barners B Four, the number four bed. We might be doing a live space or some sort of some sort of media um, for a show. So. Zoo, if you're out there, if you're listening. Tune in. We would love you to join in. Yeah. And on that note, thank you guys for listening. For Trey Atkins, Jack VC, Campbell Garber, and Graham Copeland, and Roger Goodell. All right. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. And War Eagle, everybody. Love you guys. Thank you all for listening from us here at Barners Before Bed. We hope you join us next Wednesday at 10 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Sleep tight, Tiger fans. And as always, War Eagle.